now presenting live from 401 Maplewood Drive in Jupiter, Florida. Join our family every Sunday morning at 9 and 11 a.m. Today's message brought to you by Pastor Melissa Pierce. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the series, And. Uh, we started this series last week, and Pastor Ben took us through the scientific explanations of uh, balance and stoichiometry from uh, the book of Hebrews, the word stoichion. Anybody remember that? Yeah. Well, today, instead of getting a science lesson, uh, we're going to do a little bit of an English lesson. The word and is actually a coordinating conjunction. Uh, and what that does, what a the definition of a coordinating conjunction is a word that joins together words or phrases or clauses or sentences of equal rank. So if I say to you, peanut butter and jelly, or if I say like washer and dryer, or if I say the Lone Ranger and Tonto, um, I am not articulating any kind of preference. The word and fails to, to describe preference. Now, I can imagine that out here, everybody likes their peanut butter and jelly just a little bit different, right? Got some passionate peanut butter and jelly people out there? I know Sean's, Sean's always with me on peanut Yes. Okay. I'm not talking about like smooth and crunchy. What I'm talking about is the ratio of your peanut butter to your jelly, right? So me... I'm more like, I like more peanut butter than I like jelly. Any, who are my more peanut butter people? All right, more peanut butter people. Who likes more jelly than peanut butter? Not very many. Whoa, a couple, couple, Vitaly. All right, we know. Ferrero Rocher and jelly. Um, uh, so preference when it comes to peanut butter and jelly is a very important and unique thing. It is, it is necessary. You are able to just do whatever you want with that peanut butter and jelly. You can put bananas on it. You can put as much peanut butter as you want, as much jelly as you want. You can toast your bread. You can do whatever you want to do. You are the boss of that sandwich, okay? You are the boss. When it comes to the kingdom of God and it comes to the ands of God, there is no room for preference, there is no room to pick and choose how much of this or how much of that we want or like or desire or, or whatever. There's no room for that. But thank God, God gives us the opportunity with peanut butter and jelly. He gives us the opportunity with, with other things to, to utilize our individualized personality to enjoy things. But when it, come, when it comes to the kingdom of God, it's 100% and 100%. It's not 25% of this and 75% of that. It's 100% and 100%. And this week's and is mercy and truth. Mercy and truth. You know, in talking about preferences, sometimes in life when we move out of the realm of um, peanut butter and jelly and we move into the more complex issues of life, say like our marriage or um, our kids or our job or, or just decision making, you know, this, this, you have a business partner, you have a business, whatever it is that you have, you have to make decisions. And sometimes our preferences can be driven by what is easiest, the path of least resistance. And I want to encourage you today that you were not made for the path of least resistance. You were not made for what is easy. You were made for and. You were made for and. 
So where does mercy and truth come from? What's the point? What's the, um, you know, why, why that? Why that combination? Well, first of all, it is all throughout the scripture. Um, it, is, it, is, it is the attributes of God found um, from Genesis to Revelation all, all the way through Jesus Christ. That's the why. That's the why. You know, when it comes to um, this life and it comes to the Christian life as a believer, Jesus gave us a what, right? He gave us a what in Matthew chapter 22, verse 37. If you have your Bible, I'd like it if you turn there. If you have an electronic Bible, I'd like it if you uh, flipped there. And I want to encourage you. I'm going to take this. This is a little PSA for a second. Um, Get to know your Bible. Understand it. Love it. Read it. It is our manual for living as Christians. And we don't want to minimize its importance in our life. Matthew twenty two thirty seven, 37, very first book in the New Testament, Jesus is talking. And in this case, Jesus gives us a what? He gives us a what? So he was having a conversation with some people and they said, Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. This is the first and great commandment. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Okay, so love your neighbor as yourself is the what of mercy and truth. It's kind of like jeopardy. Like it's the question, uh, what is love your neighbor as yourself? Like it is is the what. But Jesus' description there doesn't necessarily tell us the how. The how is found wrapped up in mercy and truth. Well, what does that look like for my life? We're going to get into that in just a little bit. Mercy and truth is found in the ways of God. Did you know that God has ways? The Bible says in Psalm chapter 25, verse 10, it says, all the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth to such as keep his covenant and his testimonies. All the paths of the Lord, all the roads of the Lord, all the directional ways of the Lord are mercy and truth. God has ways. Have you ever known someone that has ways, that has like very strong predictable ways. Uh, You just know kind of what it's going to be like at their house and, and, you know, that type of thing. God is that way. I had this friend growing up. Her name is Tracy, and she lived down the street from my aunt. And I knew her for like more than 20 years, and I still know her. My mom is actually still friends with her mom, and they talk pretty regularly. Uh, But I grew up with Tracy. Tracy was an only child, and her father was a mailman and a Vietnam veteran, and her mother worked for an insurance company. And in Tracy's life and their house, they did everything the exact same way every single day of every single week of every single year. Now, there were some variations. I mean, occasionally they might go to this restaurant instead of that restaurant. But by and large, everything they did was the same. They went on the same vacation every single year. They went to the same places. They, they had their family over every single Sunday night without fail. And all of their family lived in the same neighborhood and all of their family was the same as them. <laughs> I knew their ways and I liked it because I could always predict it. I would, I would go over to their house and there was just such comfort in it. I spent a lot of time there. As a matter of fact, um, in, in old, when I was a little bit older, around eight, 18 or 19 years old, I actually lived with them for a little while while my parents were going through some additional transition. And I just, I just felt such safety in that place because of their ways. And God is the same way. His mercy and truth bring safety. 
because we know what we can expect. Now, that scripture, Psalm chapter 25, all the ways of the Lord, all the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth, was written by a man named David. He was a king. But 500 years earlier, uh, there was a man named Moses, and he was the leader of the nation of Israel, and they were in the desert at this time. And in chapter 25 in Exodus, uh, Moses is at this place with the children of Israel, the people of God, where God has specifically instructed them to build a house, to build a tabernacle, and to build furniture for that tabernacle. The first piece of furniture that they built was something that you may have seen referenced in an Indiana Jones movie. It's called the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant. It was was a sacred piece of furniture that was designed to express God's character and his presence on the earth. It was the symbol that God was with them and, and that's where he would come and he would talk to them. But the, the construction of the ark is very, very curious. It was, it was supposed to be made by a very specific, with a very specific kind of wood. It was overlaid in gold and there was gold on the inside of it and there were angels built on it. It was very ornate. But on the lid of the ark, there was something called the mercy seat. The mercy seat. It was where God's presence actually came and it, it, it sat there. Um, it just sat there. And you can read about that throughout all the Old Testament. And inside the ark was where God specifically asked them to put the tablets, the Ten Commandments, the testimony, the truth. The Ark of the Covenant was constructed with the attributes of mercy and truth. God's presence, 500 years before David writes that all the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth, all the ways of God are mercy and truth, his, his, his presence, his character is reflected in the specifications that he gave to the leader of Israel. Today, you are the modern day Ark of the Covenant. You are the carrier of the presence of God. And God is asking you to reflect his mercy and truth to this world. He is asking you to reflect that same mercy, that same honesty, that same stability to the people of God and the people around you and every person that you're in relationship with. Going back to what Jesus told us in the what? Love the Lord your God. Love your neighbor as yourself. In the what? It takes skill. It takes development to communicate with people in mercy and truth. And as Christians, as believers, I, I think that we should be the most, we should be the most skilled at, at, at dealing with everything around us that comes at us. Not that we're perfect, but we're healthy. That we are a pure reflection of God's character. And we can develop those skills. We can become experts at, what, at the what that Jesus gave us through the how of mercy and truth. We can. So you say, how do you do that, Melissa? How, how am I supposed to deal with that coworker? You know, as I was preparing for this message, I realized that I had been working for 21 years. 
I got my very first job when I was 14 years old, and I uh, was working for an electrical construction company um, as a receptionist, and they were paying me $5 an hour, and I loved it. I was pumped up. I went there all summer long, and I answered that phone, and I just, I just loved it. I've been working for 21 years. And throughout all the scenarios of my professional life prior to the church and my ministry life after the church, I mean, yeah, once we started the church, is there's so many different types of people out there, right? There's so many different scenarios, so many different issues, so many discomforts, so many misunderstandings, so many things we wish we just knew how to say, right? But God gives us a roadmap. He gives us a roadmap. And Jamie referenced this scripture a little bit earlier. Proverbs 3.3. Again, turn there in that handy dandy manual for living you have. Proverbs 3.3, and we're actually going to read verses 3 and 4. It says, let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind it around your neck, write it on the tablet of your heart, and you will find favor and high esteem, and so find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man. How do I, as a person, what, what do I actually do to have a conversation with someone that is difficult? And how do I do it in a way that honors them, that honors God, that promotes growth for all of us? We're going to talk about that today. Now, I had some notes last night that, um, that I was kind of depending on for this part, but I'm going to get real practical today. And the reason why I'm going to get real practical is because I believe, I know that God is spiritual and he's practical. And sometimes the massive concept of love and, and mercy and truth are lost on us. Um, they, they, we, we hear it, but we don't exactly know how to systematically do it. And I want to help you with that today. And I hope that your heart will be open to it. I, I, I know that there are people out there that are struggling in their relationships. I know because I get your texts, okay? And you're like, what should I do? And I'm like, okay, you know, try this. And how many of you, well, I don't want to, don't raise your hands. Um, <laughs> uh, okay, you know who you are, okay? You know who you are, okay? Um, do not let mercy and truth forsake you. Okay, so where did I learn this? And I'm not saying I know it. It is a continual journey for me, and it is a continual journey that I am on. Um, and I am committed to it. Why? Not just because I want to be a good communicator and I want to win friends and influence people, but because I want to reflect the character and the attributes of the God that I serve. And if his covenant, if his ark, if his presence on earth physically, his external expression of himself was mercy and truth, I want my life to reflect that. My journey in this started in 2005. I got a job um, at a Fortune 1000 recruiting firm called Robert Half International. And I didn't know what I was in for. I was working for my church prior to that in the contributions area. I was overseeing all of their contributions. And um, I knew it was time for a change. I knew that God was, was calling me from there. And I just, I couldn't explain it. And it seems really strange that if you're um, in ministry, you're working in a ministry and you're called to ministry, then you would stay in that ministry, right? Um, but that was not the case for me. 
God was calling me elsewhere, and I didn't know what he was doing. Uh, so I started working on it. I started looking for a job. I went to my pastors. I let them know that God was calling me on, and I, I through a series of events and different things, I got this job at this recruiting firm as a staffing manager. That was my title. And I worked in their office team division, which was an administrative um, temporary placement, permanent placement um, division for recruiting. And the manager that I had um, was very honest, but he was also very encouraging. He was one of the most honest people that I'd ever met. He's a believer, wonderful, wonderful guy. Ben and I are still friends with he and his wife today. And he is the, he is the first person that I ever saw be completely honest with people. Tell them the absolute 100% truth about what he thought, but in a kind way. And the thing that I learned from him is that he wasn't just truthful in the negative or difficult situations. He was generous with truth and the good times. He was generous with his encouragement. He was generous with his kindness, but he was generous with correction. And as I was working that job, you know, God just, just blessed me so much. I just, I kept, you know, just being promoted and I moved into like a, like a mid-level manager role. And then I moved into more of like a, a senior sales manager role. And, and, and this, this, this gentleman, Lindo, who was my, who was my boss, he was my manager. He really pushed me. When it was time, you know, recruiting is recruiting, but it's also a sales environment. So in a sales environment, you have to hold people accountable to the numbers. You have to hold people accountable to their performance, and you have to put them on plans, and you have to help them create a plan to achieve their goals, and, and, and you have to address, and you, have, you do, unfortunately, sometimes have to let them go. Um, but you have to help them put a plan in place and address the underlying issues of why they're not achieving their goals. It wasn't just cut and dry numbers. It was, it was emotional. It was habit-oriented. It was work-life balance. It was a lot of different things. It was, it was not believing in yourself. And I found myself not just in a recruiting firm, but I found myself in the middle of Proverbs 3.3. Not to let mercy and truth for sin. It was the hardest thing I ever did to be honest with people. But I found God's truth in the midst of it. And I want to help you today better reflect God's character in your workplace, in your marriage, in your family, in your kids, in, in the people you're around, and at your church. And to do that, practical step number one, you're going to have to take some risks. You are going to have to take some risks. You're going to have to take some risks to forgive and be merciful. What if they do it again? Well, the Bible says um, that you forgive your brother seven times in a day and 70 times seven if necessary. You're going to have to take some risks to forgive and you're going to have to take, take some risks to tell the truth. But I believe that God coupled uh, Proverbs 3 and 4 together because he wants you to know that there is a promise. And the promise is that when you do not let mercy and truth forsake you, when you live a lifestyle of generous kindness and open and honest communication before God and man, to yourself and to others, you will find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man. That's the promise. So when you're taking risks and you're, you're about to um, embark on, on this invisible thing that you've got between you and this person at work or wherever, whatever it is, you know your situations. 
When you're about to embark on it, you have to remember the promise. You will find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man. You will. That is the promise from God. The Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God is in you and it is with you to bring unity, not division. People have this misunderstanding about truth that it brings division, that it is, a, that it is, it is all about confrontation and division. And it's not. It's about resolution. It's about kindness. It's about, it's about um, saying what needs to be said. See, mercy and truth are not natural friends. And that's what makes God God is that he can blend together the most beautiful combination of forgiveness and kindness, drained of all judgment, drained of all um, opinion. Truth and opinion are not the same thing. And many of us need to reduce our opinion of our opinion. Our opinion is not truth. How do we temper our opinion? How do we do that? The Bible says in Matthew chapter seven, Jesus is talking. He says, and why, why don't you consider, why do you consider the speck in your brother's eye and do not consider the gigantic, enormous plank of wood in your own? Why don't you like work on that for a while? <laughs> then you can see clearly to, uh, to address the, uh, the speck in your brother's. The point in that is that truth is first for you. Truth is for you first. When it comes to mercy and truth, it is for you first. You sit yourself down and you say, how can I correct myself first? And what that does is it tempers you. It takes all that division out, all of that opinion, all that insecurity, all that defensiveness out of you. It takes it all out. You deal with yourself you cannot face the truth for someone else if you have not faced the truth for yourself. And how do you do that? Psalm 139, 23, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. See if there be anything wicked on the inside of me and lead me in the way everlasting. In order to not let mercy and truth forsake you, you have to see it as valuable. You have to see it as something worth binding around your neck. I am wearing a costume jewelry necklace right now. If I were wearing, if these were diamonds, um, real huge massive diamonds, um, that is the equivalent of mercy and truth. When the Bible says, do not let it forsake you, go after it and then put it on your neck. Put it on the outside of you. Let it be an external expression of your life. And then write it on the tablet of your heart. Write it, engrave it on the inner workings of what you think. In order to display mercy and truth to this world and to the people around you, you're going to have to change how you think. You can't express mercy and truth with this and be thinking um, what you really think with this. There has to be unity and alignment between what is in your heart and what is coming out of your mouth. Truth is for you first. Truth is for you first. 
What about mercy? Mercy wins. The Bible says in James chapter 2, 13, that, 2 verse 13, that mercy triumphs over judgment. We think that if we have an opportunity to, to say everything to that person that we want to say um, and those conversations that we have in the shower with them um, where we're telling them and we don't act like you don't do it. You know you do. In the car, you're telling them. They're not sitting in the passenger seat, but they are and you're telling them. And we think if we could just say that, if I could just tell them everything that's wrong with them, then it would be good. But mercy triumphs over judgment. Forgiveness, kindness triumphs over judgment, over your judgment, the judgment that you think is right. People in this world are hungry for truth. They are desperate for the truth from you. Have you ever been in a situation where someone encouraged you very descriptively and you knew it was the truth and you felt so good? Likewise, been in a situation where somebody um, sat you down and, and they were just honest with you and you could sense the love and the lack of, of, of opinion, the lack of retribution, the lack of retaliation in them. You could sense it. They, they weren't mad at you, but they were honest. Don't you appreciate that? You can beat that. If you've received that, you can be that. You know, Jesus tells us to love our neighbor as ourself. Again, that's the what. But for many of us, we're sitting here and we think about that as, as, as what's coming from me, that love is coming from me. But love is also coming toward you. I have to love you too. I, I, I am one of those and so I'm trying to love you as myself. Make it easy for people to love you. Receive truth. Open your ears. And I don't just mean in the context of this church, Right? I don't just mean in the context of what we're doing here, although I do mean that too. I mean at your workplace, in your marriage, in your relationships, in your friendships, in your familial relationships. Be a giver of mercy and truth and be a receiver of mercy and truth. My desire is, is, is that the church of Jesus Christ globally would be the most functional and healthy organization on planet earth. And if we do not d decide to become skilled at the how, we can't get there. If we don't make a decision that I'm gonna be skilled at the how, I'm gonna be skilled at, 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 the, at the what and the how. At the love of my neighbor, love the Lord my God, and the mercy and truth that is the external expression of that, the blend, not one or the other. Mercy is not an avoidant strategy. It is not, if you ignore it long enough, it's just gonna go away. 
And truth is not your opportunity to point out every single thing that is wrong with every single body everywhere. It is a blend. It is a marriage. It is a, it is a combination that is so powerful that God himself looks down on it. Proverbs chapter three and four. God himself regards it when we, when we offer that, when we, when we blend that together. That it brings his favor, it brings his esteem because he sees himself reflected. Stand up on your feet this morning. If you would, just close your eyes. If you're here this morning and you, you say, Melissa, this has been a struggle for me. I'm not good at this. That's okay. God has help for you. Maybe for some, of, for some of us, the first thing we need to do is we need to deal with some insecurity. We need to deal with some, some defensiveness, some, some, some internal issues, some wounds, some, some whatever it is. Maybe we need to let some of those things go so that we can be a conduit of the presence of God in this earth. If you say, Melissa, I wanna be better at mercy and truth. I want to grow. I want to reflect God's presence in this earth. I wanna pray for you. If that's you, would you just lift up your hand? Would you just all over, all over, all over. Let's be people who craft the skill of honor, of forgiveness, of kindness, and the skill of truth and openness and stability. Father, I just pray for these people right now. I thank you, God, for all of us, myself included. God, I ask that you would impart your revelation to us of what is your character? What is the end of God in this situation? How do I, how do I have, a, have a torrent of mercy and a torrent of truth in my life? I pray, God, that you would heal the wounds that may be inside of us. Father, that we would let our guard down, let our walls down, and let you work through us. I pray for a new day, a new season in our relationships, in our lives, in our communication, in our love. Something new, God, a new health. You might be here this morning and you might say, Melissa, I... I've never received mercy and truth from God. I've never, I've never experienced salvation through Jesus Christ and, and experienced his forgiveness first. In order to reflect it, you've got to experience it. And a minute, I'm just, I'm gonna count to three. And on number three, I want you to raise your hand. I want you to make that commitment today, not just to let Jesus Christ be your savior, but to let him be your Lord. So one, if you feel like God is tugging on your heart, this is your moment. Number two, who is that? Get ready. Number three, stick those hands up in the air. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Yes, I see your hand. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We celebrate you. We throw a party for you. There is joy in salvation. Yes. There is joy and salvation. Now everybody, repeat this after me. Say, Father God, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for me. Jesus, thank you for saving me. I make you the Lord of my life. 
Forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me. I dedicate my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen.